Hello, welcome to the podcast, Sport and Life. Ed Draper here, sports broadcaster in the UK. This is a side project for me. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome uh, to all the people in the UK. Listen, I know a lot of people in Cheltenham, listen, my hometown in the west of the country, but I also know have uh, quite a few listeners relative to the modest uh, audience that I have total coming from the USA. So welcome to you. Bienvenue to the people from France who listen. I think there is a percentage of people who listen from France. So appreciate that, obviously, uh, Anglophiles or, or people who speak English, potentially English uh, expats out there or American expats. So welcome along. Uh, today we're going to speak to uh, or hear an interview that I did for Sky Sports. Actually, my day job started doing some MMA interviews on YouTube, on the Sky Sports YouTube account, because Sky has Bellator rights, which is one of the MMA organizations. going to speak to a guy or listen to an interview that I did last week with Big John McCarthy, who is a former referee in the UFC, now an analyst and commentator for Bellator, but talking about UFC 249, which was one of the first major sporting events in months in terms of the Western world to go ahead at the weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, behind closed doors. Everyone was wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera. So we looked ahead to that and got his idea of what kind of precedent it would set. I'm actually speaking to Chael Sonnen this week, a former UFC and Bellator fighter who was commentating on the night in Florida. That's for Sky. So when I get that audio next week, I'll put it onto my podcast. I think it's good to share. It's not quite the same sort of quality in terms of how we recorded it because I guess it's gone through um, a different process through Zoom, as you may be familiar with that program. So see what we make of it. But uh, great to get Big John McCarthy, real effervescent character and very upbeat and positive, although mindful to be health cautious as I guess we're facing up to a even longer stint in lockdown. be more than six weeks now, but uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer in the UK today on Tuesday, May the 12th, recording now, says that we will, or he will pay people to stay uh, out of work who can't physically work at home and their office space is closed down until October. So the furloughing in the UK will continue until April. Uh, sorry, till October. That's a bit of a Freudian slip. Hopefully not April. That'll be a whole year, won't it? Um, but yes, yeah, so we're sort of settling down for a long period of time. Who knows the ramifications of that financially for both in the UK and globally? At the moment, it's such a predicament, isn't it? Anxiety is all around, but we'll hear from uh, Big John. The podcast with uh, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, producing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Now, I'm not sure because this week the lockdown guidance or restrictions have been loosened slightly that maybe Jason Briggs and his team and their store, the Bang & Olufsen franchise, where they have their sister company, Serene AV, as well, whether that's going to be able to be reopened. I know that obviously gyms and restaurants, that's seemingly quite a way off, but some stores were to be opened in the UK, potentially, and they've got a small store there. I know some coffee shops around me in the centre of Cheltenham have opened a town where I live in the west of England. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether they can, but they're certainly available via the web, social media, etc. Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, Jason Briggs and his his fine convivial team and a big shout out to Cytoplan as well supplement company that my father has consulted with Dr. Mark Draper a nutritionist and general practitioner in the UK doctor he um, has helped devise some of their food state supplements what he recommends is Immunovite I-M-M-U-N-O-V-Y-T-E which is available from Cytoplan's website C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N and if you use a discount code DRAPER10 all capital letters D-R-A-P-E-R, my surname or last name, the number's t- number 10, and you get 10% off. So hopefully if uh, you do that, it's a good one with uh, selenium and zinc, which he believes are key, and vitamin C in terms of boosting immunity at the moment. Um, 
So there we have it, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this chat to Big John. Thank you. Hello there. Welcome along to this Sky Sports MMA video looking ahead to a Bellator MMA recharge event on Saturday night, 10 p.m. in the UK. Looking back at the 2018 heavyweight Grand Prix quarterfinal rampage against Son. And I'm very pleased to say the man who's hosting that for us, uh, looking back at that event, is Big John McCarthy, referee turned analyst, joining us from the East Coast of the States now. John, how are you? How, how are things? Everything is actually really good. I'm doing good. Uh, just waiting to get back to work, and uh, hopefully all of this stuff will kind of settle down in the summer here, and we'll all be back to normal. Yeah, what do you make of the lockdown's impact on, on MMA in terms of training and how it, does it affect different types of fighters more in terms of the lack of sparring? If you're, I know yourself, a jiu-jitsu background, would it affect someone from that background more, or would strikers be able to you know, hit a bag? Would that, would that help? Would that have an advantage? Well, you know, I think it affects everyone differently. Uh, some people are really good at training on their own. And they, they're self-motivators and they can do it and they can get by with not really losing a lot. They're not going to be gaining much, but they're not going to lose. And then there's people that, you know what, they need those other people around them. They need people to kind of drive and push them. And then they're, once they're in it, they're, they're doing good. But if they don't have them, it kind of makes it tough. And it's going to be different when it comes back to the fighting. There's going to be advantages to some fighters mm. and there's going to be disadvantages. We have fighters that are very good in the gym and you put them under the lights. It kind of, the pressure starts to come down and crash on them and they get a little tight and they don't do all the things that they can do in training. Mm. Do, you, do you expect yeah. upsets the first, first few weeks, first few months? I think you might see it and you might see it because some fighters need the energy of the crowd. They, they thrive off of it. You know, they thrive off of that, you know, crowd, you know, getting all crazy about when they're being introduced and stuff. And it just gives them that energy and it's not going to be there. It's going to be different. So it's going to be a different parallel for all the fighters. You've obviously worked as a referee in UFC as well. What do you make of the event going ahead this weekend in, in Florida? I know you were opposed to it happening in April. Has the landscape changed there? We're obviously in the UK, but we're seeing things in the States suggesting that it's very different in, depending on which state you're in. Well, there, there was a big difference between the two. I call it UFC 249.1 and now UFC 249.2. And there was a, there's a huge difference. And the difference is the UFC for years, and it, and it really started before the Fertitas and Dana White were even there. The UFC was in such trouble early on that – it ran towards regulation. In the beginning, the very first 15, you know, 14 shows, it ran from regulation. Hmm. And then realized, ah, we need to run towards regulation or, or we're going to die. And they did. And then when the Fertitas bought it, they continued that path and even you know, improved upon it. And they've, they've had that, that whole thing about we, we do things through regulation. Well, this show, that one in April... They were trying to avoid regulation because the state of California was saying no. Mm. The California State Athletic Commission was saying we cannot regulate that. And they were trying to go through the back door to do something. So I didn't agree with it because it, I thought it was bad for the, the premier promotion being you know, UFC to do that. It just didn't look good. This one, I'm 100% behind. I hope they have an incredible show. It is being regulated by the Florida State Athletic Commission. They are doing everything they can to be, you know, as, you know, on top of things as possible with, you know, the coronavirus and doing testing and stuff. So I'm 100% behind. I hope they have a great show. 
And will Scott Coker and the Bellator decision makers, do you think they'll be watching on? And I suppose people from all sporting organisations around the world will be seeing how they, how they achieve it with, with behind closed doors without the spectators. Yeah, I think that Scott Coker will be watching very closely and monitoring exactly what happens off of that show. Because there's a lot, you know, the, being the first to really come back, which they're kind of being, you know, you have a lot of pressure on you for your own promotion, but every promotion, and including, you know, combative sports like boxing, hmm. they're all looking at you going, don't screw this up. You know, and so there is pressure there. That's tough, you know, and you got to try to do it right. And I, I believe that they will do it right. And by that, I think it's going to help the other people uh, in combat sports come out and start getting back to being normal. Have you had any word about when it might return Bellator, when, when, when an event might be, might be scheduled for? Yeah, Bellator is going to be coming back somewhere in, you know, summertime. We're talking, I, I believe our first show is going to be sometime June it's possible that it could be pushed off to July, but you know they've already talked about they're going full tilt. They're going to do just you know the the amount of shows the same as what the UFC is doing. They're going to make up all those shows, so Bellator is going to make them up. So people are going to have some incredible matchups. You know we <laughs> we've gone so long with having nothing, so everything's going to be compacted, and, and it should be an incredible end of the year as far as just being able to watch great matchups and fights do you know if you'll be will you be involved commentating in the arena or will you be remote do you know what the plan might be be for that situation and how how strange would it be to commentate potentially when the fighters can can hear you pretty clearly you know i, I don't have a problem with them being able to hear me because i've been in that atmosphere before with refereeing you know when i did the hmm. the very first ultimate fighter shows were all they had everyone out of there and it's a weird atmosphere it's strange you know, because you can hear everything. And so it's going to be different. But, you know, they haven't just, you know, told me exactly what we're going to do or exactly where we're going to do it. I know that, you know, what they're going to set up and how they're going to do the fights. But I don't know exactly where it's going to be or if we're going to even be sitting next to each other like we normally do. You know, normally it's, you know, Mike Goldberg or Morrow and me sitting right next to him. It might be that we're at separate tables. So, you know, it could be, it's going to be a different experience, but, you know, evolve. That's all you can do. Just move on and evolve. Yeah, we're learning and evolving, aren't we, with all the technology and all the, the kind of link-ups. We're not, we're not doing interviews in person. It's all, it's all changed. Let's look back to 2018 when this was, a, I guess, an unheard of dream. It was like a kind of a holocaust, sort of a, sort of horror movie, wasn't it, in terms of previewing this. But 2018, when MMA had this heavyweight Grand Prix, what did you make of, of the idea at the time in terms of, of settling the title? I love the fact, you know, at the time Bellator uh, had vacated the heavyweight title, it was uh, Minikoff was the champion and he had a contract dispute and they let him go off and uh, had an open title there. And I thought, the, I thought it was brilliance by Scott Coker to come out and do, you know, a heavyweight tournament, bring in guys that were, you know, world-class you know, heavyweights and bring in, I love the fact that he, he allowed Ryan Bader to come in and the Chael Sonnen came in. There were guys that were fighting actually at light heavyweight. Mm. You know, people get this idea because of weight that it's going to be that the bigger guy's always going to win. Mm -hmm. It's not just not always true. Speed has a lot to do with everything. And just, you know, that's how the sport came about. Hoist Gracie was this guy who he had this technique and that technique, as long as he could deliver that 
he was going to get a win being the smaller guy. And so heavyweights are always mystical. They can always touch you with one shot and it's over. And that, you know, that can happen, but he had put in, you know, some really top flight heavyweights, you know, with Roy Nelson and Fedor and Frank Mir being in there. It was, I thought it was a great idea to see who was going to end up with that title around the and the fight we're going to show on Sky Sports, obviously the first quarterfinal rampage against Jail Son. And going into that, were there similarities between the two? Obviously, I believe both had turned 40. Uh, both had a wrestling background initially. I think Jackson at one point had fought at light heavy as well. Did you see, did you see a similarity between the two? How did you, how did you see it going in? You know, I, I looked at it going in. I, there was similarities, but it was, you know, Jackson fought most of his career at light heavyweight. He was the light heavyweight champion of the UFC. And, you know, a guy that we all know, man, he's got heavy hands when he hits and he's got a chin that is made out of granite. You can hit him with a sledgehammer and he's just going to shake his head and laugh at you. <laughs> so you knew with Chael coming in, Chael was going to be the guy. He had a, a much more, you know, in-depth wrestling background. And his wrestling is what made Chael successful in MMA. When he was able to wrestle guys – and get top position. He has a very good ground and pound. And Rampage had complained throughout his, throughout his entire career about guys that tried to wrestle him. <laughs> and you knew, well, guess what, man? It's coming because it's the only way that Chael's going to be able to stay in this fight is to be diverse, be on the feet, try to land good shots, but mix it up and try to make you have to deal with the takedown so much that it starts to slow you down. It starts to take away your offense because you're worried about his offense and him taking you down. And that was the, you know, the game plan for both. You know, Jackson's was to touch Chael on the chin with a hard one that was going to put him out. And Chael's was, I've got to do more. I've got to, I've got to do this entire system of taking you down and wearing you out. And, you know, I thought it was a great matchup in the beginning round just because of the personalities. Quentin is, you know, people know him from all over, and he's got a great personality. And Chael is, he's the guy that made talking in MMA, you know, what it is and something that people have always tried to emulate. What, what is the, from your career, what are the vital ingredients to an MMA fighter, do you feel? Because you mentioned the striking of, of Rampage. Can you rely on striking if, you, if you're that good at it? Or is the fundamentals, the, the groundwork, the wrestling, do you need some... Uh, capability in that arena oh you definitely have you know it, it, it's the sport was brought up being you know selected types of martial arts and mm. quickly that started to evolve where you could not just have that one you needed two and then you needed three and so you know Chael could not come into that fight and just wrestle if he only had wrestling he's going to lose because then he's not throwing his hands and not creating a problem in the stand-up where yeah. he's touching Quinton and making him move to certain angles that sets up the takedown. He's just shooting from afar, and that's much easier for Quinton to stop. Mm. So the whole thing as far as you look at the way guys are fighting now and how good they are at everything, they're never going to be that guy that is the best. You can take a guy that's a world champion, and you know, there's, you know we have him, Ray Daniels. You know, Raymond Daniels is a world champion in kickboxing, and he's phenomenal. He is so good mm. on his feet. But if, you know, he had a fight long ago in Strikeforce where he thought his skills were so good in the stand-up 
that he would be able – no one's going to be able to take him down. And in that fight, he immediately got taken down, and he got choked out, and he's like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> and it took time in coming back, and now he's come back into Bellator. You know, he's fought in the European Series there, had an incredible 720 tornado punch knockout, has, you know, won his next fight off of that because he has started to learn the wrestling. He's learned how to adapt with the takedown attempts, how to stop them, how to attack it. You have got to have the full game. If you don't have the full game, someone's going to expose you. What's your experience? Is it easier for strikers to learn wrestling or jiu-jitsu, or is it easier the other way around? Is it, or is it just completely down to the individual and what their, their aptitude is? Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's no doubt down to the individual. We get guys that are you know, just incredible grapplers. And they'll try the striking. And no matter what they do, they're just never good at the striking. I don't know why. It's just it's something that it just doesn't flow for them the way the grappling does. And then we'll get guys that, you know, on, on their feet, they're amazing. But the grappling is always a hard thing for them because they'll make mistakes in it. You know, the grappling part, if you make a mistake, it can really cost you dearly. Same as, you know, if you stick your chin out and you get touched, <laughs> that's going to cost you. But they don't do that. But in trying to get up back on their feet, they'll make a big mistake, which leads to their downfall. But you know, you'll see it's always the individuals. And then there's those guys that are so good at one area and then they start learning the next. And it's especially with grapplers. Grapplers will fall in love all of a sudden with the striking because all of a sudden they realize, hey, this is easier. Hey, I don't have to work so hard. Hey, I like getting that knockout. And then they start to fall in love with that. And they get away from what their real game was. And then you say, hey, man, you got you to be the complete fighter. You got to bring them both back into the, into the realm of the fight game. Yeah, it's complex. That's why I suppose people, people love it. And when you look at the, the age of these guys and, you, and your career in MMA, for heavyweights, are you, are you surprised that people are going into their 40s? Or is that something that's been the case for the, the duration of, of MMA's high-profile kind of career? Or is it, just a, is it a virtue of sports science and conditioning now that, that guys like Chael Sonnen and, and Jackson were going into these elite matches at their, their age? Yeah, well, and, and I look at a guy like Chael as a perfect example of when you look at guys getting into their 40s and moving on, yeah, sports science, nutrition, conditioning, and the way people go about keeping their body in condition compared to what we had in the past because in the past you know not even in the sport of mma we'll talk boxing mm. you know guys would train for a fight but as soon as the fight was over they were done they weren't training for a while and they were getting fat and lazy and then they'd finally get another fight go back in the gym and restart that process guys aren't doing that they're always training now they're always doing things to keep their body in shape eating good foods you know the smart guys are <laughs> but it's also when you see that progression of like Chael, speed is always the thing that starts to cause you problems in fighting. When you all of a sudden you're the slower fighter, it just starts to go downhill. But if you're that guy like Chael coming from a middleweight, you're facing middleweights, you're facing fast guys. Mm. And then as you get into light heavyweights, they slow down a little bit. And as heavyweights, they slow down a lot. That's why Fedor has always been so successful. He's been faster than everybody. And so when you're like someone like Chael and you're moving up, you are the faster guy. Even though you're the smaller guy, you're the faster guy. So you create problems for your opponent that they're not used to dealing with. So, John, when we tune in Saturday night, 10 p.m., 
in the UK on, on Sky Sports. What should we look for the early exchanges in terms of the tactics? You mentioned Chael trying to take Jackson down. Is that, is that the key? And, and how he sets that up? Is, you mentioned that in terms of it can't be telegraphed. It has to be, uh, he has to sort of try and feign an engagement with the striking before, before he does try and take, uh, take him down. Yeah, the, the old style of the double leg takedown from afar, shooting out like a freestyle, doesn't really work that well in MMA anymore. You've got to set it up. And so for Chael to be successful in that fight, he has to set up that takedown by using his hands to create problems that Quinton needs to address. Mm. And he's blocking the punches, and all of a sudden that distance has been closed, and now Chael's able to get his hands onto him, and now he is a step behind. That's when you'll see Chael being successful in trying to get that takedown. If he tries to get that takedown from afar, Quinton's going to slam him down and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> we look forward to it. We don't want to give too much away just in case someone hasn't, hasn't seen it yet as well. So it's a, it's a little taster of that. But when you look at the, the concept of that Grand Prix and you've spoken to Scott Coker, do you think that something like that will come back again in, in the future? Well, yeah, I think, you know, Scott has proved he went with the heavyweight Grand Prix was the first uh, tournament that, Bellator did under Coker's regime, basically, because mm. Bellator was set up on a tournament, you know, format and kind of got away from it. And then these Grand Prix, you know, he's had that heavyweight. He's done the welterweight where Rory McDonald ended up losing his title to uh, Douglas Lima in the end. We're in the middle right now of the featherweight Grand Prix. Mm. It's kind of been put on hold because of everything. But I think the Grand Prix are fun. They're exciting. And the best part about them to me is it gives the fighter a bit of control. It gives them a bit of control as far as their destiny, especially the featherweights. We had 16 of them, and they were able to pick their opponents. You know, you're taking things away from the matchmaker and taking things out of the promoter's hands. They were able to pick the dates that they were able to fight or the opponents they were able to fight. So I love the fact when a, when a fighter has – an idea. This is going to be my next opponent. I win this fight. I know I'm going to get one of those two. That's always good for the fighter. And so I'm always behind that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. We spoke to a fantastic fighter last week. Chris Cyborg is obviously with Bellator, now a, a champion. And, and she was sort of deliberating about her next move. She was interested in boxing. And we, we talked potentially a, a fight against two-weight world champion Katie Taylor in boxing, who's an Irish fighter, an Irish legend. Oh, she's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but do you see that? Well, then she talked about Amanda Nunes in some sort of cross-promotional unification fight. What do you think the most likely outcome for, for Cyborg is? Well, you know, Chris has fought, you know, MMA, you know, forever now. You know, she's only got, she had her first fight ever, she lost. She lost on a knee bar and then had a 21-fight win streak and then lost to Amanda. And, she, you know, if you go back and you watch it, she fought the way we tell you, don't fight like that. Don't fight with emotion. Mm. Don't, you know, don't get mad. Don't think that you're just going to, you know, run over someone. Fighting takes time. It takes moments. And when those moments come, that's when you jump. And that's what exactly what Amanda did. And that's why she got the win. But Chris is no doubt one of the greatest female fighters of all time. She is an incredible representative for the sport. She is such a good person outside of the cage and inside of the cage. And she has done the kickboxing, done the Muay Thai. She's talked about doing the boxing. She trains in boxing all the time. You know, if that's what she wants to do, I'm 100% behind her. To, for Chris to step into the realm of fighting a boxer like Katie Taylor, 
It's a tall order. That's you know, Conor McGregor trying to take on a, a uh, Floyd Mayweather. That's usually not going to go good for you. The same as if Katie Taylor tried to step into an MMA ring, that's not going to go well mm. for her against Chris Cyborg. Mm. So, you know, if Chris is going to do the boxing, obviously she's got to have a name that she goes against. But I would say pick a name that's not quite Katie Taylor in the way <laughs> yeah, that I think she, she uh, I think Cyborg might have to drop a, bit, drop a bit of weight as well, which might make that, yeah, that particular particularly difficult on that note though we've, we've got a boxer in the, in the UK he's obviously world elite level Dillian White who's he wants to challenge Anthony Joshua he's on the WBC line with Deontay Wilder but he has got a kickboxing background and he had uh, I think four or five MMA fights with first round knockouts he's, he's talking openly about the potential idea of, of getting back into the sport he's mentioned Francis Ngannou as well things like that what about that level of striker coming in from boxing is is that feasible in the heavyweight division is it more feasible for that to happen absolutely it's feasible for dabbing you look at the the klitschko brothers they both started as kickboxers Mm. went to boxing from that and so you could take a guy that is a kickboxer bring him into boxing and then take him from boxing and bring him into mma it all depends on who he decides to train with and what they decide to do with him in that training because, you know, you could take a Mike Tyson, and I'm not going to try to take a Mike Tyson type of fighter and make a submission guy out of him. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. That's not going to be his bread and butter. His bread and butter is using his hands. But I do need to teach him how to stop takedowns. I do need to teach him how to clinch because mm. it's completely different. The clinch work in boxing, which there is, is completely different than the clinch work in MMA. So we've got to take and break him from what he's used to doing, change it around, and then get him used to stopping takedowns. And here's now, once you stop it, here's how you do your damage so that person doesn't want to try that again. And with Cyborg's idea of the Nunes rematch, going back to that quickly, the concept of cross-promotional event between Bellator and, and UFC or other agencies, do you see that as being more likely in a post coronavirus world or less likely how do you see the landscape <laughs> I, I would say i would see that more likely in a post dana white world oh, okay <laughs> you know yeah, and it, it's just being honest because dana's dana long ago and you know this wasn't dana's fault dana got burned in giving fighters over to pride he sent a lot of fighters sent you know chuck liddell hmm. over to pride and never got anything in return and so he looks at you know that but you had to look at the time pride was way up there and so you know it wasn't hurting the ufc if a cross promotion was going to happen you got to look and say does it benefit dana and i really don't see how Hmm. you know that cross promotion is going to benefit dana putting chris against amanda because dana can sit back and look and say look at my girl beat her already why do i have to have that fight now the fans want to see it i would love to see it I know Chris would like the fight, and I know Amanda would like to redo that fight again because Amanda believes in herself and believes she can beat her again. But for Dana, he's not going to see much for an upside. He's going to say the only thing that can happen is my girl loses, and then people are going to say the best fighter is fighting over in Bellator, which you know she may be. And so why take that chance? Yeah, politics in, in combat. Politics. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, finally, on the women as well. I had this conversation with Cyborg. That do you feel combat sports, Katie Taylor, Chris Cyborg, whoever it may be, Amanda Nunes, 
that they really are the, the trailblazers for women's sport. They're headline events. We had Leon McCourt in, in Dublin with, with Bellator as well. There is, it seems to be that on the scale of women's sport, they seem to be right at the front in terms of equality. You know, I think that if you're looking for equality in female sports, the combat world, especially MMA, mm. boxing, you know, not quite, it still doesn't have that level, but MMA, because of the fact that women are able to use not only, you know, punching like Katie can in the boxing, they're able to get submissions. They're able to do all of these different things. The fighting is the same, you know, and people really can't sit there and say, oh, this fight's going to go, you know, if it's a, in boxing, it's a 10 round fight. It's going to go the 10 rounds. That's what happened with women's boxing a lot with people that I, I know what's going to happen. People have no idea what's going to happen. You can get, you know, knockouts by punches, elbows, kicks, knees in MMA. You can get all the submissions. And so I think that has helped. And the, the other fact that really helped is we've had a lot of really good trailblazers. We had Gina Carano who represented the sport beautifully, just the way that she, you know, you know, tried to explain the sport and how she represented it when she was in the cage. Mm -hmm. You know, and Chris being the person that, you know, displaced her for a little bit, then Ronda Rousey came in and Ronda did such a good job of making people believe that a female fighter could beat anybody. You know, hey, that's, that's her job. And she, she elevated, you know, women's MMA to a point where people really wanted to see it. And the other part is, Every time the women get in the cage, for the most part, they really put on a show. They understand that, hey, I got to go for it. And they, for the most part, put on great fights. So that really helps in people saying, oh, yeah, I want to watch that fight. Certainly do. We look forward to the women's action coming back on Bellator Live. But tell us about the show Saturday and how much you're looking forward to it before you go. Are you, uh, you excited to, to relive Sonnen against uh, Jackson Rampage? Yeah, not only you know the the Sonnen versus Rampage fight, but the fight before that was for the welterweight world title, and that was Rory McDonald trying to come into Bellator. It was only his second fight in Bellator. He had fought Paul Daly and got a really nice win against Paul Daly. But you know, Rory, I did his fight uh, for the title against Robbie Lawler in the UFC, one of the best MMA fights in the history of the sport, mm. and this was Rory's chance for a second time. <laughs> For a world title and the fight that he puts on and Douglas puts on is an incredible matchup and so it's something that everyone should see. Look forward to it. Look forward to seeing you Saturday night. Big John, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. You take care. Good stuff. There you go. So Saturday night guys in the UK, Sky Sports, it is MMA Bellator Recharged. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. Great guy, big John McCarthy. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. A little bit different, as I say. Hopefully, the audio quality isn't too strange in terms of um, the difference with recording that through Zoom for Sky Sports, which check out their content as well. Sky Sports, big sports broadcaster in the UK, if you're not in this country, and trying to diversify in terms of sports at the moment. And Bellator is available, although that's obviously got a couple of events cancelled over the next couple of months. But with the UFC providing that precedent this past weekend in Florida that we were looking ahead to then, Perhaps Bellator will come back online. Perhaps boxing will as well. Obviously, I'm a big boxing enthusiast, uh, reporter, presenter in the UK. And I'm uh, potentially that precedent for combat sports and maybe more manageable than team sports in terms of the amount of people needed on site at any one point in terms of uh, kind of uh, keeping those situations as hygienic and as sterile as possible. So, yeah, big John there. Enjoyed that. Listen uh, to 
I guess the, the next one next week will be hopefully Aaron Chalmers will, will run on Sky Sports, which is a, an MMA fighter, Bellator fighter in the UK. Also, he is a reality TV star on Geordie Shore. He's up in the northeast of England in Newcastle. So he's been on that and a couple of other sort of reality shows as well. A real character, just become a dad. So look forward to that interview as well. Hoping to get other people on the podcast this week. Looking to get John Ryder on, super middleweight boxer, good friend of mine. Had a daughter around the same time as me. And he's actually had a, another kid, but we'll um, hopefully get to speak to him soon. Um, in the meantime, thanks to Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Really appreciate Jason and his team's support, continued support as well at the moment, um, with the difficulties around retail all over the globe because of what's happened with coronavirus. And a shout-out to Cytoplan as well. Remember the supplement company that's based just up the road from me, actually, in a place called Welland outside of Malvern, not far from where I live in Cheltenham in the west of England. They uh, have good supplements and you can get a discount on them. The one my dad recommends is Immunovite, Cytoplan's website, and Draper10 is the discount code. My last name, all capital letters, and then 10, Cytoplan spelled C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N. Now, there is stuff on my Instagram. I've, I've referenced the particular supplement that my dad helped design and recommends. Uh, but anyway, hope you're well. Hope you're dealing with the surre- surrealness of the, the whole situation and hopefully get um, some further clarity and hopefully we can get moving again. But there have been positive, certainly for myself, I'm not doing a lot of shift work, which I normally would do. So a lot more rested, spent a lot more time with my wife and daughter. So there are positives and done a lot of writing from home for Sky Sports, particularly on the boxing side and the interviews you just heard as well. So different stuff and getting back to work with some people I used to work with in different departments at Sky Sports and actually getting in contact with a lot of friends personally as well. It's a catalyst to do that. We don't always do that to university friends, people like that. So it's been positives to it and feeling rested. And, and the weather's been fantastic in the UK, which if you're not from here, it's not always that way. So quite lucky. Uh, but yeah, obviously a concerning time. Anyway, hope you like the podcast, guys. Do rate it on iTunes. Keep in touch with me on Instagram, Ed Draper underscore, Ed underscore Draper 81 and Ed Draper 81 on Twitter, where I have a kind of bigger following and maybe more active also represented on facebook and i did one tiktok video as well for a charity thing this uh, this time doing a jump off or something so you can check out that if you want i'm not across it much it gives me a bit of a headache when i open it but i'm getting old 38 speak to you soon dudes thank you bye